let's just welcome you right now to the F1 Funcast. It truly is one of the greatest spectacles in racing. Absolutely incredible. Your host for this podcast, Mr. Funcast himself, James Messer. We're watching history and we might as well get on board. And the brains of the operation, Connor, the crew chief, Gagman. It takes a special kind of person to do what I do. Connor, how are you doing over there? I'm doing pretty good. It's been quite the week for me over here, um, but holding it together the best I can, you know? That's all you can do. That's all you can do. We've got uh, we've got a lot to talk about here at the uh, F1 Funcast for the end of the, the 2023 F1 season and calendar year, and we thought it would be a good time of year to just take a look back at uh, the 2023 season and talk about the ups and downs and highlights and... Uh, Anything else that comes to mind? So, I figured we should start though with with the end of the year. We we had Vegas and Abu Dhabi since the last time we talked to everybody, and there's quite a bit to talk about there. So, I know Connor, you've been kind of itching to talk Vegas for a while now. So I'll let you have the floor and uh, take it away. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, well, I I don't. Geez, I don't even know where to start because there's so much to talk about from it. I I guess we'll start with the uh, the pre race festivities. Um, and the driver announcements and stuff like that. I think, you know, it was flamboyant to say the least. Um, and I know that's not everybody's taste. It's not necessarily my taste either. Um, but I think it's just, it's just because it's Vegas too. I think that's probably why they did so much extra as they did. Um, and like I said, it's not even to like my taste. So, I, I don't know. I didn't know how I really felt about it. Um, I don't, how did you feel about all the, like the driver lineup introductions and the bands and DJs and? Well, you know, it wouldn't be Vegas if you didn't go over the top. And this is true. Yeah, it, it seems also, and I hate to say this, but it seems like it's becoming, you know, it's a very American thing that happens. And it didn't didn't we have the same thing in Miami? Wasn't it very over the top? Yeah, it was the, pretty pretty close to it and i think i can completely understand why people are getting kind of annoyed or frustrated with it it, it seems like it's the new it's the new school attitude the the kind of the hype the hype era or something that maybe is a little unnecessary and it seems kind of geared to the american fan in my opinion and uh formula one is such a worldwide sport that it it could really it, i could see how it could hit your ear wrong hit your eyes wrong as you're watching when you're trying to take us take it seriously and it feels more like you're watching a big you know commercial production rather than a a weekly sporting event i don't know does that make sense it just yeah. it, it's no it makes it makes total sense and like i can understand them doing that for maybe one or two of the races or even just one of them maybe just keep it at vegas but when you do it at all three or miami and vegas or coda in vegas or whatever the combination may be it it does get a little too theatrical and you know it, it's it takes away from what people actually go there to see and i think you know i understand that they're trying to attract like the younger crowd and they want to kind of like pitch it to them as best as possible but they also have to remember the people that have gotten them to where they are right now exactly um, exactly and 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it definitely uh, <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't really anything that I was proud to say. Yeah, this is this is awesome, you know. Right. Um, part of it too, if you're gonna be so if you're gonna be so over the top, and you're gonna you've got to deliver 100% for the weekend, and I think they delivered 90% for the weekend, and uh, FP1 was a, kind of a disaster. It didn't really happen, or at least the way yeah. it was supposed to I'm go so off. I'm so glad I stayed up for that. Yeah, right. I, right. I, was, I was up at that Thursday yeah, Thursday night, I think it was, right? Right, yeah. I was Thursday up that night. Thursday night until I was whatever time it was on the East Coast. I, was, I think it was like 1 in the morning or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I just want to see them run a few laps and then I'll go to bed because I got to work in the morning. Just a few and laps. Just a few. I didn't actually mean I wanted to see them run a few laps because <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> that's, was it. Obviously yeah. what, that's obviously what ended up happening. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, not really what I was expecting to happen. Big stumble out of the gate in Vegas. Big stumble yeah, Thursday yeah, night. Was it, was it a good look? Um and I know there's a lot of people freaking out about it and um, saying, oh, this is why we shouldn't race in Vegas and whatever else. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, we've seen things like this happen at Malaysia. We've seen stuff, seen things like this happen at Monaco. This happened in Monaco in 2016. And Monaco has had Formula One races since the 50s. So, I mean, it's not an unheard of thing. And this is just kind of like their first go at it yes they probably should have done a better job at inspecting the drain covers and making sure everything was as it needed to be um but these kind of hiccups should be i wouldn't not gonna say like allowable for a first race but maybe understandable it's maybe they're understand yeah yeah sort of understandable but more to the fact that it's a learning experience for the organizers exactly um and they'll know what to do better say next year when we come back to vegas um because this i mean this event is not going to go away it's no it's only going to get bigger they've invested so much that entire pit section that's built it's purpose built in that area um so does that mean it's there it's there year round that the whole pit area It's yep, just the whole the whole pit area is it's like a new headquarters I guess for Formula One um, or something like I think I heard them talking about it as its uh, headquarters or something of that nature, but um, it's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Y- that yeah, it's 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 awesome. I think it, I think it's awesome. They're gonna have some roots in the United States and they're making it in Vegas and I think it's kind of cool because now it's like our version of Monaco. Um, it's all the, gl- the glitz and glamour, um, and yeah, definitely over the top, but <laughs> right, right. It's like, I, I uh, think I've, I thought the racing was phenomenal. What do you think? Well, well, that's just it is once you get past that first hiccup, it was, uh, it might've been the race of the year on Sunday. Once we, once we got to actual racing and lights were out, it, it was as competitive and nip and tuck as any race we've had all year. And it, it was it had the most number of passes uh, on track passes of the year. Right. So action that's, packed. That's saying something. Action packed. And it was I think it delivered, you know, watching from home, watching on your couch. I think it delivered production value wise in terms of what they were going for with 
it being in Vegas and the look. It was a watchable race. It was a fun race. I mean, I, I, I thought it was great. But you have that, that yeah. hiccup at the start of the weekend. But once you smooth that out, you can't you can't deny the, the product on Sunday was fantastic. And you, I'm going to look forward to it next year twice as much now. I, I think that next year they're going to try, or at least I know the drivers have been calling for them to adjust the times a little bit, make it maybe a little bit earlier. Um, sure. And, you know, I, I know that people were upset and rightfully so about missing FP1 and making it a longer FP2. Uh, F1 basically handed everybody that went to FP1 like a $200 voucher. I saw that. You in, got a $200 which, voucher. Which, which is ridiculous when you consider the price of the tickets um, and the hotel and the travel costs and whatever else. You know, $200 ticket or voucher to see nine minutes of action on track. Uh I think that that needs to be addressed. Yeah, it's kind of a slap in the face to the people that went to that race or went to that practice session. But um, sure, sure. Some people spent yeah. you know their whole maybe their whole vacation or their you know as much as yep. they had saved up to get there, and you get a two hundred dollar voucher and you know have fun at the casinos this weekend. It's it's it was tough. It was tough to swallow. But I think, like you said, when when you have these things and it's the first time having a race in a, in a new city on a new track. Eventually, no one's going to remember remember that night and remember those. And, and, and perhaps we do have to move, change the times. And it's all that learning experience, like you said. We change the times and adjust some things here and there. But I feel like Vegas is on, on track to be one of the highlight races of the calendar year, certainly in the United States, but maybe, maybe for the whole year. Give it five years or so, and we could be looking at um, one of the most anticipated races of the year, you know? So Yeah. In, in, I mean, it was a like we keep saying, it was a good race um, from start to finish. Leclerc was probably going to win that race had that uh, accident between Max and Russell not happened. Um, it right. seemed like he was kind of starting to eke out in a bit of an edge, and he had the tire strategy advantage, and I think he was going to go on to win. And, I mean, even after he locked up the lost second place and he had the make a phenomenal overtake on Perez at the end of the race on one of the last couple of corners. That was fantastic. But I don't know. There's just, there's something about seeing these cars going 220 miles an hour down the strip of Vegas at night with all the hotels and the lights. And they sounded amazing when they were whistling by. Um, it, It was, it was fantastic to watch from a viewership point of view. And, you know, I've got to give credit to that. What is that thing called? The dome there in Vegas? The sphere? The sphere. How cool sphere. is that thing? That is... Oh, that's uh, awesome, huh? It's making faces at you the whole race. And I know I sound like a 12-year-old or something, but that's what this is about. We're having fun. And I thought <laughs> that was a fun little... Uh, I don't know. That's a cool building. That's that's a neat... I've got to, I, I want to check that place out someday. And I saw recently somebody rented it out. They were playing NHL hockey on the sphere. Um <laughs> For the whole city to see, so I don't know how much that costs, but that's a there's a dream for you. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Um, so we're both in agreement that Vegas was a fantastic race. Thumbs up for Vegas, so I say. My my next question to you is: uh, of the three U.S. Grand Prix, do you think we should just drop Miami at this point? Hmm. <sighs> If, if we were going to drop one of the three, I would drop Miami for sure. 
I would definitely drop Miami. I think that it's that that one is it's a wannabe Monaco, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Coda is a fantastic race. It's always provided great racing. The fans love it. The drivers love that track. Um, the drivers always say that's one of their favorites to come to each year. Um, yeah, I'm sure they're saying that because part of them has to, but they also can be honest. And I think they're very honest in saying that because it's, it's a, it is a fantastic track to drive. Um, so is and then we have Vegas, obviously, which is new, and I think it's pretty spectacular. I think maybe they had to work on some of the safety aspects, but it's kind of up there with Jetta as far as the danger aspect, um, just because of the speed and the walls being so close, and there's not really any runoff or barrier, like safe barriers or anything like that. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, my, Miami now just seems kind of out of place and too much, like about the show. Is there um, is there talk of Miami uh, coming off the calendar? Is there? I I haven't heard anything in regards to them taking it off the calendar, but I know that there's a lot of fans out there that don't like the Miami Grand Prix. Um, it's usually one of the least favorites. I. It doesn't provide the greatest racing. I'd say it's average at best. Um, sure. But I, I don't know. I I think that there's so many other tracks that they could go to other than a parking lot around a, a football <laughs> stadium. Um, I mean, they've done that before. They That's the same reason why they don't race in Vegas, or they hadn't been racing in Vegas. They had the Caesars Palace Grand Prix in the parking lot at Caesars Palace, and that lasted a couple of years, you know. There's Terrible. something to be said about having a race in a parking lot. Right. It doesn't really work out. And it's not exciting. I'd like to see them. No, it's not. And I'd like to see them at least try to explore some other options. I know that, you know, some of them might be difficult just because of where they're located. Like where? Where? Um, what comes to mind? So, I okay, I'll I'll give you like a top three. Okay. If we're going to be doing like a street a street track or adding another street track, I should say, um, why not go back to Long Beach where IndyCar and IMSA races? Um, that is just a fantastic track. I know it's very bumpy, so maybe that might be part of it and just the economic side of it. Um, see, mm-hmm. number two, probably Road America. Road America, I think it's in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, so it's kind of just – it's not really close to anything, so <laughs> I think that's that's partly why. But we had the same thing with the French Grand Prix when it was at Paul Ricard. When I mean, there was really nothing around it. It was up on the top of a mountain or on the top of a hill. There was an airport next to it where all the drivers landed, and they drive two minutes over to the track. And that's and it. And <laughs> it's not really anything going on around there, so. I mean, it, I, and there's also, you know, these tracks have to be brought up to FIA grade one um, ranking. So there's probably a lot of work that has to be involved with doing that as well. Sure. So, sure. I, I don't know. I, I think that. But do you, are you yeah. saying that not necessarily um, getting rid of an American Grand Prix, but just moving from Miami to 
to another place in North yeah. America, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe take a, another look at Indianapolis again. Maybe they go back to Indianapolis and have a race there. Um, I feel honestly, like that's a legacy. Be, yeah. It, it would be really, really cool to see them do a, like a combo weekend with IndyCar. See, that would be great. Where Indy, where IndyCar is running the road course at the same time. Um, and just do like a combo weekend with them. I know IndyCar, I think does that with NASCAR or IMSA, one of the two. Um, but I just think it would be spectacular to see both the top, uh, open wheel series in the world on the same track on the same weekend. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that weekend? It would be Indy? great. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those are probably the top three for me is Long Beach, Road America, and uh, yeah. So you want a you want a place with character. You want a place that has some tradition and some some patina, not just a a street yeah. track around a parking lot, like you said. I can I'll, understand. I'll be that. honest. I don't want to see another. I don't want to see another street track. I think that the the racing world has kind of gone crazy with the idea of a street track. Like even NASCAR now has a street track, and I don't know, like IndyCar does a couple, like two or three of them. Um, But there's just something to be said about racing on a natural racetrack that's been carved into whatever landscape. Um, I agree with you there. I agree 100%. I I just think it's so much better. And, you know, not not dissing on street tracks because there's some of them that are fantastic in their own rights. Yeah. you can really but optimize yeah, just... a, a built track better too. You can have yeah. it makes for better racing. Oh, yeah. You know, it makes for a better these street tracks. It, it definitely seems like it's all about pole position and, and qualifying, and then that's yep. it. There's not enough room for passing, and it's just. I agree. I think when when I watch, I, I notice that I like the, you know, the purpose built tracks a lot better than when they're in these cities. But that's just me too. The you purpose know, built tracks where you can fit like four or five car wide exactly yeah and we've talked about that all years we need more you know we need more racing two three cars wide and really pushing it instead of this these parades that we get around these around these streets but that's just us you know there's there's plenty of plenty to be said about some of these classic street courses i suppose but (laughs) i don't know i agree with you i'd love to see it in long beach for my own personal reasons being able to zip up up the coast here and, and go to Long Beach. That's something you put on my my calendar for next year. I'm definitely going to IndyCar when they come out here because I feel like I missed out last year. I didn't go out there, and um, it seems like a great weekend up in Long Beach. I th- um, I think they do they do a combo weekend with uh, IMSA, so you'll see the they. I think they do the IndyCar does the Grand Prix, and then they have the IMSA the Sports Car Series doing their stuff on the same weekend. I I think pretty great i don't know like for sure but that seems to be something that i remember seeing last year yeah that's going on the calendar that's going on 2024 calendar for sure absolutely 100 percent. so uh well, what, what about s- you it, do you would you i think you already said you would would you want to take miami off i would if we were if we were taking miami off i would take miami off and i would be you know, I would be interested to see where they replaced it with, or if they even did. You know, um, yeah. Or suppose, suppose you have they Miami. Don't have to. Could you do something where you have a rotation of of three or four cities? Each one gets it one year. You know, so maybe Miami is in twenty twenty three, and then next year 
or see no you couldn't you need you need this space but next year we're going back to china is that right did i see that like yeah well i mean we were supposed to we were supposed to be going back last year too but they had some uh some covid stuff pop up and they had to cancel it and i don't think that's why we had the the three-week break at the start of the year right um so they're not going to take yeah. anything off the calendar. I know we're supposed to be looking back at 2023, but we're not taking anything off next year. We're just going to add Nope. add one more. We're race. just we're yeah, we're adding just Shanghai. Beautiful. Um which I'm excited for because that's a fantastic racetrack. Um I don't know if you've ever seen a race there, but it's some it, it's it's just a great track for racing. It's uh well, it's it'll wide, be exciting. It'll be great exciting. flowing corners some high speed sections, good passing opportunities, uh, like one kilometer straight. So it's, it's a fantastic racetrack. That, that sounds spicy. That sounds like something I'd like to see. That's the, I'm well, glad it's what, coming I've been, back then. what I've been doing, what I've been doing is watching, uh, on F1 TV, I've been watching like some of the old races. Oh, and okay. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, and, I think that was one of the ones I've watched recently from 2004, 2005, I think. I watched the Chinese Grand Prix. You know, I, I was out on social media a little bit this week, and I had a few people tell me, watch watch old races. Just if we're looking for something to watch over the off season, just watch old races. and and That's a good idea. You know, just, just hang out and treat them. Someone said, treat it like uh, it's, a, it's race day because you don't know who won or lost. You don't know what happened, so just watch it like it's happening – you know, no spoilers. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. Because for someone like me, I could go back, you know, a few years and watch a race and, and watch it as if, you know, it's like my first time seeing that movie where there's a lot of fans out there who know each race and know who won and the story behind it. I'm really enjoying kind of learning all the lore, you know, of Formula One as I go. So I think watching old races would really help with that kind of backwards compatibility, yeah. if that makes sense, you know. Kinda... Well, maybe that's something that we do is um, we can do one of these things where uh, we both watch the race at the same time and we sit here and we talk about it as it's happening. That would be ah, oh, that's a good idea. And we maybe... both say, "All right, three, two, one, hit play now," and, and, and sync it up. So we're like we're in sync, right? Interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. It could be fun because uh, and if we do more like that, the we could do some of those special races like we did the the 2005 Indy Grand Prix and things like that where. Yep. You know, unusual stuff happens, and maybe you don't tell me what to expect, and it kind of surprises me when it happens, you know? Like, uh, you know that so-and-so is going to crash out on lap 12, but I have no idea, you know? It'd be well, interesting. What, I, what, I've been, what I've been enjoying is that, you know, these were races from when I was a kid, when I first really kind of started to dip my toe into Formula 1, and there's some races that I, like, I remember watching them, but I don't remember, like, what happens during them. Right. So right a lot of the time i have no idea what's going on going on either so it's just as entertaining for me because it's like you said it's like watching a race for the first time i like this idea i'm putting this down this rewatching old races and uh sharing yeah, it out i like absolutely. that quite a bit absolutely so speaking of old races we had the um we had the finale of the year in abu dhabi is there anything you want to touch on from the race in Abu Dhabi before we uh, kind of look not, back. Not really. I mean, it was just you know it's back to the back to the standard. We had Max Max winning once again and just 
continuing his historical dominance this year, and you know, I just—it's incredible to watch what he's done this year, and you can't not praise him for it. No, it's incredible. It's been an incredible season, and kind of a boring one because he's been so incredible. But um, you know, it, Abu Dhabi was really just the culmination of an, a season that. Um, it's, it, I, you know, we started doing this podcast and we might've started on a historical season, you know, a season where we saw yeah, something right. that might not happen again for a long time, such dominance. And at least hope we hope it doesn't, but you can't take away from, from what he did and what that team did this year, because they, they, um, it was over before it started in 2023, really. I mean, looking back at the results here. I forgot that Sergio won a couple races at the start of the year there. Do you remember that yeah. talk about, uh, you know, if Sergio was going to put on? Because I think he won in Saudi Arabia and Azerbaijan. And it was like, hey, maybe Sergio's going to push Verstappen for the for the title chip. I forgot all about that. That seems like years ago, the way this season went. I well, don't know about you. When you, th- when you think about it, how, how many – so I think Sergio had two or three victories. Okay. And – Two. He had two this year. Two. Yeah. And then and then uh Sainz had the one in Singapore, but the rest of the races he won. Yeah. Which is yeah. <laughs> And they weren't even particularly it's, close. It's incredible. They weren't even no. close, you know? Like No. Was Max like under 20, stress? 30 second gaps. Where, where was he most under stress? In Vegas? Was that the closest um I th- I think Vegas he was getting pushed pretty hard. Um and especially after that uh I think after that first restart where they had yeah uh, they had to warm up their tires again and Leclerc was able to push for Stappen into a bit of graining and um once that happened Leclerc was able to get by him and start putting some uh pace into his own car and creating a gap and like I said before if it hadn't been for Russell turning in early for you know I think he just didn't see Max or didn't expect him to be there but had it not been for that safety car Leclerc wins that race Right, right. And then, so then you're looking at Ferrari winning two races this year, which, I mean, all things said and done, Sergio Perez won two races and Ferrari would have won two. That, I mean, they would have been able to hang their hat on something, you know, a little bit more. That Carlos yeah, right. Sainz win was, was good. But if you win two, then you feel like, and two kind of late in the season, you feel like, hey, we, we've we accomplished something here. We've really cracked the code a little bit. But just once again, the thing is to beat Red Bull and Max, you have to be flawless and everything has to go your way. And it just, especially for Ferrari, it just seems like when it's a roll of the dice situation, they've been coming up unlucky time after time after time, which, you know, or maybe Max has come up clean, you know, Red Bull just comes out clean. You get used to it after a while. (laughs) I guess, you know, I, growing up a Red Sox fan, I had that, I had that feeling, but it's, uh, I don't know. It did seem like Ferrari could have made more inroads if they didn't stub their own toes a few times, but nobody was catching Max. Nobody was going to catch well, Max. And well, the thing is that Ferrari was they're ending on a kind of a high note because they're starting. They were starting to understand their car better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know they're going to be changing their side pods again for next year. I think they're going to be going more to like a like the rebel style. Like I think we're going to see a lot of teams do or like their own version of it. I guess I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like and like we talked about. Earlier on, earlier on in the season, um, they were kind of limited as far as what they could do based on the shape of their original side pods, but they were putting some 
pre- pretty consistent performances. It's not like they had a slow car when they were able to grab pole so many times. Sure. Um, but it was just their race pace was a little, you know, is uh, well not a little off the pace. It was off the pace. Um, and their tire management on their car, they were just chewing through the rear tires. And I think once they get on top of that and they can find some race pace, I think they'll be just fine. Sure. But until then, Rebel's going to dominate. <laughs> and, and that's a, and we can, we're going to do a 2024 look ahead. So we'll talk more about how to catch up to them um, next week. But it's just, it was sheer domination. I mean, all through the season in 2023, it just, there were times, I mean, it was worth watching, but it was worth watching for the midfield or for, you know, in particular battles or particular battles. Well, the but midfield battles were fantastic this year. That's very fair. Well, the the teams finishing in the constructors, like two through two through five or two through six, are all within like 30, 35 points of each other. Two through seven. Yeah. So I mean, or that's the. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the at the um, drivers' standings there. But even like Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, and Aston Martin, all you know, close enough where. Yeah, yeah. If Red Bull just didn't gobble up there every point on the it. board, yeah. Well, Red Bull had. Well, I think they. It, the the funny thing is that Max Max could have won the constructors' championship on his own, which is incredible to think about. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. Max. He finished with five hundred seventy-five points, and number two in the constructors with Mercedes was four hundred nine. So, he would have dominated the constructors by himself. My goodness. But. Yeah, you know, it was one of those years, and it was Mercedes, Ferrari, and then McLaren really came on strong at the end of the year. So they are another yes. team that, that seems to be having some momentum heading into the off season, which will be interesting to talk about going forward. I don't know if you have any teams in particular that you were maybe surprised with how poorly they, they finished this year, or teams that you just were really disappointed with. Um, in 2023, I have one that jumps to mind for me, but I'm I'm curious if there's a team for you that underachieved. Um, I would, I think right off the bat, I had to talk about Aston Martin, just because of the way they started the year. Um, it's right. almost like they kind of like swap places with uh, McLaren right in the middle of the season, where Aston Martin they started off really strong. They looked like they were going to be the the ones to challenge Red Bull all year long. They were at least going to be close um, if something went wrong. But they just they didn't develop the car well, and when they did bring upgrades, they wouldn't work or they weren't they wouldn't provide the performance they were seeing in the in the uh, wind tunnel or back at their headquarters. And then McLaren, the biggest surprise of the year was they went from having potentially the worst car if not the second the worst car i mean they were nowhere at the start of the season and then they just started bringing these upgrades and upgrade after another and they ended up making the car like second or third on the on the grid each each upgrade for them wins it certainly paid off each upgrade for mclaren and you're right that's a good way to put it because it seemed like aston martin just went the opposite direction they were just headed in two different directions i kind of had uh I was a little surprised with Alpine this year, not performing oh, as well. One. You know, I I think Ocon and Gasly are pretty capable drivers, and uh, it seemed like Alpine just had a little bit of dysfunction out there. They were they had a couple 
double did not finishes in a row and I I don't know what's going on with Alpine but they just it didn't seem like they had it all together all season long maybe the ownership drama or something but it just I was I was surprised with Gasly and Ocon if I'm being honest that they didn't yeah. have higher individual finishes but well do you remember at the start of the season they had they were just they were floundering to the point where they were they were talking about changing their team principal. I think they even did change their team principal. Right. Um, I think they did some managerial restructuring towards the beginning of the season. Um, but they had, like you said, they had a bunch of DNFs in a row. They had a really bad reliability at the start of the season. Um, they kind of started to put it together in the middle of the year. Yeah. For the the, the last two thirds of the season. But I think that at that point the damage was already done, and it was just trying to play catch up at that point. And yeah, and like you said, they they have capable drivers. It's just getting the car underneath them is the struggle right now. Yeah, I'm just looking at their season, and like, you know, they had some weekends where they scored double digit points, 21 points, but there were just too many of them where there was you know one point, three points, one point. That's not you know that's the consistency well, I mean, is the I'm, key. I'm I'm looking I'm looking at a thumbnail on youtube right now like the top 10 onboards of the of the year and the thumbnail is one alpine about to climb over the top of the other one so <laughs> it kind of it kind of puts it in the perspective there S- sums it up right there yeah and i don't want to yep i don't want to dump on any team too much it was it was a tough year i thought williams was a surprise this year i was expecting williams yep. to finish down uh a little bit lower in the standings and they had a pretty oh, good well, year i guess not not to cut you off there, but that's the that's the good news is that Sargent has retained his seat for next year. That's um, great news. I'm happy and, for him. And that's that's kind of I was gonna tie that into why uh they had the year that they had where they didn't score as many points as they could have. I think Albin just you know, he drove the wheels off of that car all year long. Um but to touch on Sargent real quick, I think I'm glad that he's going to get another season um, because, like we've said before, he just, he spent one year in Formula 3, one year Formula 2, where he placed sixth. It's not like he was the first place or second place driver. He was still developing. Um, right. He just needed some time. And he he showed pace. It was just inconsistent, and he made some mistakes. I know the second crash at uh, Zandvoort wasn't his fault he like lost the power steering or something to that degree right, right. Um, but I think that if he can cut down on the mistakes and just find consistency with his pace he'll be fine yeah I think I think so and I think one thing I take away from Williams myself is Alex Albon is is he's pretty quick he's got qualifying pace every weekend that Williams he'd get I don't know how many times off the top of my head, but he was in Q3 a few times. Yeah. he, And so with him and Logan Sargent maybe finding himself a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised to see Williams score a few more points next year. And and the same thing like we said about Vegas with its first run, and it was Sargent's first run in a Formula One car. You got to understand the mistakes and, and uh, look forward to next year and smooth them out. Now, if he has the same mistakes and he's – inconsistent again maybe you're in trouble but i don't know i i think it's an exciting team going forward that could pick up a few yeah. more points in 2024 and 
I, I like watching Williams. I like watching Alex Albon just throw that car up into the, you know, Q3. He's in, you know, P8 to start. I, it's like uh, scrappy. It's a scrappy team that's not willing to roll over and just concede defeat, which is which is fun. You know, every weekend, they're, they're obviously not racing for the podium yet, but they're going out there. That's a team that feels like they're trying to compete. If, if you know what I mean, rather than just race. They're really trying to compete with the teams around them in the midfield, and, and they did. If you look at the standings, they jumped quite a few teams this year when it comes to the constructors. I mean, they finished in front of yep. AlphaTari, Alfa Romeo, and Haas, which is it's going to yeah, be a good a big year. Yeah, from last year. Yeah, I mean, and then on the other end, you got Haas down there, the American team. Oh, man. 12 points. Not a great year for Haas, but... Well, I mean, they, they, you know, they develop their car kind of the same in the same direction that Ferrari does, um, because they do use, a, you know, they have a percentage number of parts that they use from Ferrari, um, or they kind of like almost clone it. They share in the R and D. Um, well, not necessarily share, but um, yeah, they just they, I guess, take inspiration. I'll say that, um, <laughs> but they kind of had the same problem where they had a good qualifying car, but as soon as the race start, they would just sink through the standings like a rock. Um, I mean, how many times do we see Hulkenberg or Magnussen, mostly Hulkenberg, qualify top 10, and then by the end of the race, he's like 17th or 18th. Right. Almost every weekend. Almost every single weekend. Almost every weekend. Right. And why is that? What what happens with a car? I mean, I know you you can't push your car like you're qualifying during a race, but what is it that that you know cars significantly are slower on Sunday than they are during qualifying when it comes to race pace? Like what? Do you know what I mean? What's the missing it, ingredient? It it, it, it kind of depends. Like some teams, they gamble and they'll set up their car for qualifying, thinking that if they can get far enough up in the order, then they can hold on to those spots or they won't drop so fast. Hmm. Um, and they sacrifice their race pace where in the race you have to be very gentle on the tires and you know, you're carrying a hundred kilo, 110 kilograms of fuel. Um, whereas in qualifying you have bare minimum fuel, just enough to do a few laps. You've got the softest tires possible and you don't have to reuse them. So you're just using all the life out of them. Um, right. So, it's a, it's just a, it's just a different setup that they have, and yeah, so it favors, it could favor you on qualifying, but then, uh, yeah, not so much. Interesting, because it is true. I, I guess because I'm a little bit newer to watching, I, I see someone qualify, like we said, like using Hulkenberg, you know, qualifies P7 and finishes P17, and I feel like, you know, why, how can that be? But it, it does make sense. The car is just set up differently. And or differently than the cars around them in the field, and it, it's got to be frustrating though to to constantly. And then on the other end, you have cars that qualify, you know, P twelve and finish in the top six or seven. So it's tricky. It's tricky to figure out. I can only imagine what yep. goes into all the decision making when it comes to how you want to set your car up for the weekend, especially I, if you're not. I couldn't right imagine being a race engineer. No, no. Well, I don't think you or I really have to worry about that coming to fruition <laughs> you maybe more no, than me but no um, oh god no that's that's too much stress for me i'll i can i think i can manage being like part of the pit crew but yeah i think uh, i'd be a good a, 
blanket holder. I could do the blanket holding. You yeah, know? do the just, tire blankets. Just there hold the go. tire blanket. I'd still mess it up, but <laughs> I'd be okay at it. You know, it's um, that's the one thing my we, we talk about here. My wife will ask me like, well, "What would you do?" It's like blanket holder. That's the only thing I couldn't do. Like the wheel changer. <laughs> there's nothing I could do. But uh, those guys are amazing. I, I love watching pit stop videos. If I'm being honest, and uh, it's awesome. It's cool to watch. They're just those guys are on it, and the intensity. I, I have to, I have to send you a documentary. Um, it's a, I think it was a BBC one um, where they, David Coulthard is the narrator and the host, I guess, um, and it's basically just going through the history of pit stops in Formula One all the way from like the fifties when it was like a. Oh yeah, twenty second, thirty second pit stop to how they got to like two seconds. Send it to me. That's exactly what I need. Send send that away. It's 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 a great watch, and honestly, there's some really cool history that they talk about. Well, I bet I bet it's one of those things where they people are spending their whole time trying to unlock a half a second or unlock a second and yeah. a half on on the pit stop. And if you can do that, you you create such an advantage for your team. You know, it's it's. Oh, that's fascinating! I'd love to see it. I'd love to well, see that's, it. Well, that's what they—that's what they talk about in the in this in this documentary. And you, you know, you're going to watch it, but I'll give you a little snippet here. Is where um, these—I I think it was—I'm—I know I'm going to get the team wrong. Um, I, it wasn't Brabham. Maybe it was Brabham. Yeah, I think it was Brabham. Yeah. It was like the BT46 or something like that. I don't know. I I can't remember the exact car name, um, but they they were the ones that were like really pioneered like refueling cars because they didn't refuel back then. They just carried whatever fuel they could. Um, but they figured out if they, you know, carried enough fuel uh, to last like half the race, come in, fill up again, they could go so much faster. Because they didn't have to worry about conserving the fuel. Um, oh, that's interesting. And they they figured out all these ways to get fuel in the car faster. And uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a it's just a cool documentary documentary to watch. So people probably uh, thought they were nuts when they started thinking that way, right? Like, oh, we're gonna do a pit stop well, when you don't need to, or we're gonna refuel yeah, well, when you don't need to. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is that it was it was successful, and then they thought like the next year that. When they like after they you know they refined it in the off season they like really like purposely implemented it into the next year's car, and they were thinking oh everybody's gonna show up with these and nobody did. Huh. So they still. So yeah. it was kind of yeah it was just like it was just a cool just a cool little thing and yeah I'll when we're done here I'll send it over to you. I'd love to check yeah, that it's out. It's a definite definite good watch. That's the it's, kind of stuff. And honestly, it- I might watch it tonight. If you're if you're listening out there, that's the kind of stuff we want um, sent to us at uh, F1 Funcast on Gmail or sent to us on Instagram or wherever wherever you find us. That's the type of stuff we need for this off season, so we don't we don't go crazy over here. Things to watch about pit stops or old teams or new teams. We've been talking a little bit about watching old races and that kind of stuff. And join us too if we if you hear us talking about one of these documentaries and you want to watch it, just get in touch. We'll send you the link and. It's a community. We want to we want to share all this stuff with anyone out there listening because it's going to be a long off season. Let's face it, everybody. It's going to be a long time till we have race week. So all this kind of stuff that we can share and uh, talk about, let us know and, and share it out because um, 
it's exciting and stuff like that for me it's all educational maybe for some of you it's it's rehashing old old stuff but for me i'm learning every time and i love i love hearing this learning this stuff and then sharing with people i mean you should see it connor i i share with people like in line at the grocery store or on the trolley heading downtown like i just <laughs> i start talking to people about whatever i'm learning about that day so if we make it formula one That's i'll awesome. be sharing that yeah yeah so um that's how the world should be yeah you know that's what it is it's it's a community of people and and you got to talk to somebody right so um but well you know you and i you know just to kind of segue off of that is that you know you and i were going to be reviewing the senna documentary and the schumacher documentary and there's another one that we should watch and i think it i think it's on disney plus um i'll have to double check that but it's the the one that's narrated by Keanu Reeves about the Braun GP story. I someone suggested with, that with, to me with yeah. Jensen Button. Yeah. Oh my god! It, I having having watched that season, it was like it, it was one of the greatest stories in motorsports, just because of all the things that led up to it and how it happened and the drama behind it. it it's just I don't know. It's it's a cool underdog story of. Like somebody team that could you know somebody sent that to me yesterday i was looking for suggestions online and someone said that so if you if you agree as well i might put that right after schumacher we might as well check that one out too yeah that's, and that's another one of those where i you know we can just we can queue it up and we can watch it at the same time yeah yeah i think that sounds good that sounds pretty fun um that's the kind of stuff man that's that's what i i need anyway i don't know what everyone else is going to do to get by till till we get to bahrain next year but yeah. That's what I plan on doing. Um, one other thing I had a question for you about from 2023 yeah, sure. was what was your takeaway on the sprint format this year? What what was your overall feeling on uh, the new the new sprint weekend and the format and just in general? What did you think? I think it was kind of a step back from what we had before. Mm. Um, I don't I don't know how I feel about them making like it a completely separate thing from the actual championship. It's almost like why bother if you're going to do that. Right. Um, right. I think that like the first year that they started to do them, they use a sprint as a form of qualifying for the actual race. And I thought that was a fantastic idea. It needed some tweaks, but I thought that was a great idea as far as, spicing up qualifying a bit because I think even Alonzo has said this year that the qualifying format they have now as you know decent as it is it's been in in place since 2006 so it's getting so tired it, it's it's yeah it's tired and like even if I think like I've said before like once you get to Q3 reverse the top 10 and give them one lap you know just a one lap all or nothing send it something Um, yeah i like that yeah and i think he's i've i've heard them suggesting like do reverse grids for the sprints and stuff like that which i think that could work pretty well um do like a reverse grid or reverse the top 10 or you know whatever but you gotta do something to spice it up because otherwise it's just another race and yeah more racing is great but and they're going to be making it like its own separate championship now. And right. I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I think that the original idea was good. They should have stuck with it and just kind of tweaked it a little bit. 
but to make it its own separate championship, I think kind of just makes it irrelevant and kind of gimmicky, a little gimmicky. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm all for more racing and I can understand why they're doing it because not everybody is interested in watching all three practice sessions and setting aside two or three extra hours of their time just to watch these practice sessions where these teams are not pushing 110% trying to find the fastest lap time. They're just kind of getting tire data and fuel data and other stuff like that. Right. Um, right. So, which is fine for me because like I, I I'll watch that stuff and I'm, I take interest in it, but not everybody's me. Sure. Sure. And I, I think that they do need to do something to spice it up a little bit. And what that is, I kind of side with the whole reverse grid thing or make it its own qualifying format again. Yeah. Um, something or that- just do something to spice up the actual qualifying. Make, like Alonzo said, make the last, like the top 10 a shootout and each driver gets one lap and the higher you qualify in yeah the higher you qualify in Q2 the better it is the later you go uh and the better the conditions on the track are or they're worse it's just you know something who knows yeah yeah there has to be a change they there was absolutely no buzz around the sprint races there was no excitement around them from the drivers the teams anyone on the fans i talked to it just seemed like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it this way? Yeah. There's got to be some way to generate more excitement without sacrificing like the integrity of the weekend. If that, if you know what I mean, like it just. Yeah. No. I. I totally. I totally know what you mean. I think that's kind of like what I'm trying to get at is like they took away the, like the actual, like, I guess not not necessarily like the purpose of it, but they took away the the weight behind it yeah where it was actually purposeful before and now it's just kind of like an extra race that we had to run and we all know like especially this year like we all knew what the outcome was going to be it's just going to be another first step and win but um <sighs> yes it was. it was yeah they, they need to do something i think like i said i think they should just go back to what they had before make some minor tweaks and go from there yeah, no, I think that sounds good. I mean, and I'm sure they will. I know they already adjusted the sprint schedule for next year, but I think, I think it does seem like something they're willing to change and tweak on the fly as as they come up with new ideas. So maybe maybe as we get into the early parts of 2024, we'll see some changes with the sprint yeah. weekend. You know, um, I'm really looking forward actually to talking to you about. 2024 and looking ahead because this season as we look back on it i'm just realizing how much of a red bull dominant year it was and no matter how you slice it and you try to come up with with something it's either we're talking about red bull or how well mclaren did coming up the standings but that's about it i mean there was no it it, it was just 2023 was their year and their time and and that's what it is and if you're a red bull fan out there listening you know it must have been a great year for you it must have been fantastic and uh but it's just tough it's tough to get excited to look back on on this because there was not a race this year where momentum changed between teams you know there wasn't a race this year where all of a sudden we had a new championship leader it was it was just straight ahead dominance and and yeah from from lights out at the start of the season they led all the way through yeah and I, i will say this though about max verstappen is somehow somehow he's grown on me a little bit this year 
as a F1 fan. I spent, you know, a lot of time following F1 more closely. And of course, with him having the year he had, he's been all over the place. And I, I think Max is just a young superstar trying to trying to keep it all together. You know, he knows he just seems like he's he's still a kid in some ways, and he's yeah, the best in the world. He is, and, and he's got this. He, I used to think he wasn't likable, but I think it was just because he was dominating so much that he just seems like <laughs> uh, he loves racing and he loves what he's doing, and he knows he's the best. But he, you know, he just. I, I don't know. Max Verstappen, I've got to give him credit. He grew on me this year, and I'll just direct all my anger towards Christian Horner instead because, uh, you know, you can't – when someone dominates like that and you still hate him, then that's your problem because, I don't know, and maybe it's a respect thing. I've just grown to respect him this year and respect what he does, and I couldn't think of one time in 2023 where he made a mistake that cost him the race or his team time or, or anything really where he made – a human error you know he's just i i he he was robotic this year i don't even remember him making him i think there was only like one or two little mistakes that he made and that was it right they were like very minor ones very minor so it's 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 a lot of respect gained for max verstappen this year um and the way he handles himself you know for the most part he he handles himself he as a champion you know he's not you don't see headlines about him acting like a jerk on the off season or acting like he's better than other people behind the scenes. And what you hear about Max Verstappen is he's the best in the world at what he does. And he, he, other than that, he just likes racing. Like that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, he just likes to race yeah. and uh, credit to him and, and to Red Bull. And um, I, it's fascinating though, because Red Bull is the team, even, even with the dominance, they still have the most intrigue around their team with Sergio Perez and Daniel Ricciardo and the future. So there's a lot to talk about next week about Red Bull too, you know? Because, yeah, there definitely is. Um, what, do you think, Sergio, let's keep it in 2023. Did he do enough in 2023 to keep his seat in 2024? We're not looking ahead. Did he do yeah, enough this yeah. year? Yeah, he, he's, he's kept his seat for 2024. Um, after that, I don't know because I know his contract is only through next year anyways. Right. Um. Is it official? Have they come so, out and said he's coming back? Yes. Oh, okay, it, it, okay. It's, it's official. Okay. It, it's official. From what I've seen, it's official. Good. Good um, for him. That he'll be back next year. Good for yeah, him. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him, too. Um, all right. Well, I guess, what what was your favorite race of the year? Did anything stick out to you? Well, we talked a lot about Vegas, but I don't think it was Vegas. Um, let me just look back at these race results real quick. If I can remember, early in the year... I really liked the Australian Grand Prix. I liked watching that race uh, as I'm looking yeah. through. I liked that one, and I liked um, – I for some reason, Australia sticks out at me. It was so long ago, I don't remember the details, but I remember really enjoying that race down under. Um, what about you? Is right. there anything that sticks out in your mind? Um, I mean, I know the consensus is kind of be – kind of been the dutch grand prix just because of the all the chaos late in the race with all the rain right um right and then it getting dry again people wanting to switch back to you know it was just kind of a crazy end to that race um and the same with australia but i think it, the was that with the red flag? With australia did australia have three red uh, flags was that the race with the Aus- 
Yeah, Australia ended with like two or three red flags. Oh, maybe I'm wrong then. At, like every restart, they no, you're not. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> no, you're, but maybe that's obviously not... you're entitled. <laughs> How dare you choose the Australian Grand Prix? It had three red flags at the end. It ruined that race. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I just you know looking back and not to be redundant, but they all kind of blend together because. You're looking at the, yes. the the race results, and it's just Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen, Max. Verstappen. You know, it's hard to remember exactly which one he dominated, which week, and why. But uh, I'm surprised I didn't hear you say Singapore for uh, for. Well, I, um, I I I very much enjoyed Singapore. Let's <laughs> let's knock enough the, on the wrong foot here. I, <laughs> Singapore was definitely a high favorite, um, but I liked. You know, I think that's probably a top two race for me this year. I just, I know, I appreciate any race where there's some sort of, there's a battle for the lead or, you know, there's a good mix of strategy and things aren't just crystal clear and perfect all the way through. Um, Or even just a good good racetrack. Like Silverstone this year was great. That was a good Um, race. Yes, it was. Brazil was decent. Vegas was fantastic. Zandvoort, the Dutch Grand Prix was amazing. Um, there were definitely a lot of really good races this year. You know, even with Verstappen's dominance, I think that what we saw this year was that the midfield is a fantastic fight. And I think, you know, like, like we've said before, if if Red Bull wasn't in Formula One right now. The championship would have been extremely interesting. Oh, Abu Dhabi um, would have been like it would have been phenomenal. Championship race, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, you know, I just, I hope that next year there is more of a fight where it is like there's at least three, maybe four drivers challenging for the championship lead at all times, and they swap it back and forth a few times, and you know, even if the person who ends up winning it runs off with it at the end of the year at least the beginning of that season it's like nip and tuck and every little mistake matters and oh that would be great i'd like to see that next year that would be fun yeah i think everybody kind of like 2021 except for the controversial ending right no that's fair and i think that's what everybody (laughs) i think that's we're gonna we're gonna go right past that uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna speed past that the uh no i think that's what everyone's looking forward to i think this year hopefully was an anomaly when it comes to um just how dominant and everything and next year we get back to uh you know what i'd like to see in 2024 without doing too much of a look ahead but boy i'd love to see lando norris win a race next year and i feel like he's going to i I would too i feel like that's on his plate as long as everything comes together heading into next year mclaren's on the rise he's on the rise i think i think lando it could be his time a little bit next year am i crazy well he's gonna be no no definitely not because i think he's gonna be extra hungry next year considering he's already seen his his rookie teammate win a sprint race sure and so technically technically piastri has a victory before norris does um so i know that's gotta drive him a little nuts even if they are friends off the track um oh drive me crazy yeah, i i I, th- I think that norris is as long as mclaren keeps improving through the off season um i know i've heard talks of mercedes bringing a radical change to their car or it's going to be radically different which is not necessarily a good thing to hear no um 
because that's either we've found we've found something that we know is going to work and we're going to run with it but it is going to change our car concept or they're just saying you know what this concept obviously isn't working we're scrapping it we're changing it I th- and we're basically going to start at at square one again i think that's what they're doing i think they're works. crumpling up the paper and throwing it away and starting over which is scary which is kind of kind of scary to think about because uh it, yeah, it's not really something you want to do going into year three of the current regulations. Yeah, is just throw away the progress you, that you've made and switch up your concept. Well, they've but, come into the last two seasons with cars that were just not up to the task, and now you're gonna, now you're just gonna yeah, start but over. Come into the past two seasons with cars that they said, well, at least last last year being 2022, saying that their car was gonna be like a world beater because of they thought they had this thing with the zero side pods where, you know, they were going to decrease the drag by some significant amount and they're going to increase the downforce at the same time um, and make it more slippery on the straights, but not lose any downforce in the corners. And, yeah. but it was atrocious. Alchemy. And they they stuck thought they with it. Yeah. They... And then they stuck with it for the start of this year and it did them no good. They finally gave up on that and made their own concept or they changed up the side pods. And (laughs) I remember we were joking early in the year when, when Red Bull was saying how they're going to be bringing a a side pod upgrade to one of the races. And everybody was like starting to make jokes about how funny it would be if they just brought a zero side pod design and just absolutely smoked everybody. (laughs) Just to twist the knife while it's in there. Just to twist it a little bit. Yeah, almost almost to troll Mercedes, you know? Oh, God. Yeah, it was – that was – yeah. (laughs) And so now now they're thinking, yeah, now you you see a radical change again. I mean, you don't want to keep having radical changes over and over. I mean, what are we doing? But – I don't know. Maybe that's what it takes to catch to catch Red Bull and to catch the. Uh, I don't know. Something's got to change, right? Something I has mean, to change. The only way that you can make progress is if you're willing to change things that you know aren't working. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Let's save some of this for the look ahead. Otherwise, we're just going to go on for hours talking about this year, next year, every year. I uh, uh, there's so much we've got to talk about for 2024 as we put a bow on 2023. Um, Anything else that stands out to you from 2023 in terms of teams or drivers or anything that you just is a memory from the year that you uh, sticks out at all, or is it just all one big blur at this point? Um, it's kind of one big blur. I will say that I th- I would like to see Leclerc have a strong season again. I know that he got off to kind of a rough start this year. Uh, he had some reliability issues, and he wasn't really – coming to grips with the car and the packages that they had. And I'm sure it was kind of a shock to them. You know, they had the second best car last year. They weren't horribly off the pace last year. So they came in with just the kind of a refined design of last year. And they were so far off the pace and, you know, they were just struggling for a little bit. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I know I'm rooting for the home home team right now and saying that I hope Ferrari does well. But no, but I'm with uh, you. I you know like guys like Leclerc and Norris, like Max has taken all their podiums, you know, and and yeah, they both deserve. And Leclerc, I put him right there. You're right. He he's a good. He's a race winner. You know, he he should be winning a couple races a year at least. And I guess you're just fighting. You gotta you gotta get past Verstappen. But I agree. I'd love to see the, Leclerc. Have I a think few the wins. comparison that. 
I would like to make with Leclerc is he kind of reminds me of how Gilles Villeneuve was. Gilles Villeneuve. I'm so butchering butchering that name. <laughs> I, I I can never I can never get the last name right. Like I I get the first name, and then it's Villeneuve, Villeneuve. But like you see the spelling of it, and you just think, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like Gilles had an extraordinary ability to kind of walk that tightrope with the car, especially in qualifying, and just find just so much raw pace um, in the way that Leclerc does. But the thing that Leclerc doesn't do is, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to convert his, his pole positions into wins, and that's not necessarily his fault, but it's just, you know, I can I can see it being frustrating for him, and I think the reason I say these things, like I want Leclerc to do well, I want just a closer championship battle, and I just want more drivers to be in the mix, especially fantastic drivers like Leclerc. And, you know, back in 2010, there was four drivers from three teams going into the last race that had a hand on the trophy. See, that's um, that would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic to see that again. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it would be great to see. Yeah. Yeah, it would. It, and I think it would do a lot for um, just just not interest in the sport because it, there's fans everywhere, but they're expanding into the American market a lot more. And American fans, I'm telling you, if it's another boring season, they'll find something else to watch. They'll uh, not that yeah. not that they should rig races or try to make it competitive in some false way, but it's uh, right. it's a bummer that they they had such a dominant year just viewership wise i'm sure that the numbers suffered late in the season um once once it's, everything it's, was wrapped it's up. tough to sell a product when it's repetitive right right exactly that's a good way to put it that's a really good that's way not to put saying it. much because i know nascar is such a a fairly repetitive sport but even in nascar you know different drivers are always in the mix it yeah it's you can kind of predict who's gonna win like there's a range of like 10 drivers that you can pick from, but you never know, right? But what we're seeing now with Formula One, it's just is become too predictable. And yeah, I just I would like to see that change next year. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. Do you think? But. Do you think without giving too much away? Do you think there's a chance that can happen, or do you think Red Bull is just too far out ahead at this point? Well, what can I kind of share Lewis's concern? Because I think he said after Abu Dhabi or after one of the races recently where he, uh, they were talking about uh, Rebel's dominance and looking forward to the next year. And he said, well, Rebel finished 30 seconds ahead of us and they haven't touched their car since August. Oof. So Oof. that's, Oof. When you, I mean, that's, that's scary to think about. They haven't put any updates on their car since August and they they're still sailing off into the distance. Oh, yeah. So they've had all that extra time to focus on next year's car, and I'm sure they were focusing on it pretty early this year, um, yeah. given the way that things were going. Well, that's bleak. That's a bleak way to end this podcast. Talk. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to end it that way, but I- I'm usually the optimistic one, but I, I have to side with Hamilton on that one. I-, I read that quote, and I just – 
I thought, yep, you know what? He's kind of right there. That's that's a scary thought. Maybe he's maybe maybe Lewis is just a grumpy old man. Let's let's uh yeah. Hope yeah, hope sure spring eternal. You know, I'll, I'll take the <laughs> Fernando Alonso optimistic. You know, he's a guy who can spit. Fernando Alonso can spin it. His worst weekends, he can he can make you feel like he had a great time out there racing. So, well, uh, it, it's funny. I've listened to him on the on the radio calls so many times, and Fernando, I think he's just having a good time out there. I think he's at the point in yeah. his career where where Lewis is the same age it's, and he's fighting for fun. wins. I think Fernando's like. Just loving it. I think he's just having a good time yeah. and enjoying racing. He, he's out there because he loves. Yeah, like you, like you just said, he's just out there because he enjoys the racing. He loves the sport. Yeah, and he just wants to be out there. And as long as he's competitive, why not? Right, right. right. Where I think Lewis is just really chomping at the bit to to try to win one more championship and maybe driving yeah. himself a little crazy as he does that. But yeah, I, I I'm sure he probably you know feels some type of way about how 2021 ended and he wants almost like justification from that right um right some justice but i i i do want to close with one question to you and that is of all the drivers that are on the grid right now if you could interview any one of them wow interview who, who, who would you pick to do an interview with interview any driver on the formula any, grid. any driver any driver on the grid hmm you know well we just keep talking about them but i think at this point, it would. I would have Lewis edge out Fernando for the same reasons we were just talking about with yep. the experience, all the years worth of things they've seen and heard and known, and the championships. And I just, you know, I feel and and if I'm being honest, I feel like I relate to the older guys a little bit better than the younger guys when it comes to an interview. <laughs> not not to age yourself at no, all. No, but, but but I think <laughs> I think for, I'd have Lewis edge out Fernando Alonso just just by a hair, only because, um, you know the the championship totals, and you get a chance to say you talk to one of the greats of all time. Which not taking anything away from Fernando Alonso, but. I just would have so many questions about so much. You know, there would be so much where some yeah. of the younger racers, they they haven't seen as much. They don't have as many stories to tell, I think. I, I don't know if that is true, but that's the way I picture it. I'd get more stories out of Lewis than I would out of Lando, let's say. You know. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that answer. What what about you? Who would you want to have on the, the podcast? One one driver. I, I ironically I would have the same top two. Interesting. And it's because Hamilton I've heard from numerous people, I've seen them talking about it online or from other interviews. He's just a very sociable person and he's a very kind person as well. Um he's very approachable and he'll take the time to talk to you about different things as you know, as long as you're respectful about it, right? Sure. But he seems like he's a just a class act kind of a person and somebody I really greatly enjoy sitting down and talking with. And um, even if it's not just necessarily about Formula One, but maybe just about his life or the things that he's that he enjoys. Yeah. Um, maybe just some things he loves about the sport, um, how he got into it, and you know, just different things like that. And uh, Fernando, <laughs> he's a character, <laughs> and he's. He's always kind of been a favorite of mine, so I, even if it's just like a passing, hey, how are you? You know, 
I, I it would just be such a cool experience to be able to talk to him and learn his experiences. Absolutely. And I think those two, if the stipulation was there was no racing talk whatsoever, I'd still be fascinated to ask him a million questions about Oh, absolutely. what inspires you? What do you remember? You know, just just anything, yep. you know? But who are you outside of the sport? Imagine that. Imagine getting that interview and getting answers to those questions. That would be a good <laughs> time. Uh, but I well, I'll I'll tell I'll tell you right now if if we ever get any kind of hint that we could end up interviewing any one of those any one of these guys let alone those two i'd be all right we'll plan it for a month out because i'm gonna have a month's worth of questions that i have to narrow down for this podcast and and forget (laughs) forget a driver if you're a blanket holder out there on a pit on a pit crew uh, we've got just as many questions for you you know like uh i honestly i i think it would be i think it'd be so cool to talk to some of the some of the crew members i think that would be maybe even more interesting you might get better better conversation out of those guys who aren't under the microscope for everything they say you could get some real good back and forth going with some of those crew members for sure and the the technical stuff man that would be so cool learning all the picking their brain about the the little details that go into race weekend or or the off season or whatever yeah that'd be cool that'd be cool well and and if i mean if anybody wants insight into a mind of somebody who does that i would encourage you to read um how to build a car by adrian newey um it's it's such it's such an incredible book um i i just got done reading it not too long ago and i was actually pretty sad that i was at the end of it um that good huh it's it's fantastic it's just it's adrian newey talking about his life effectively and how um, when he was a kid, what he aspired to be and how he kind of figured out what he wanted to do and how it led him to Formula One. And he talks about how he designs the cars and how he sees different things. Like, he, like I, I'm pretty sure this, this man walks around and what he sees is just, like, flow lines, like, like huh. uh, aerodynamic flow lines on everything. Yeah, yeah. Just a complete and, savant, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a total genius when it comes to designing a Formula One car and how little things can change so much about how the car behaves. So, well, uh, yeah. Well, th- definitely give that a read or a listen. I just got done and 10 out of 10 would recommend. And honestly, I might read it again pretty soon. Well, there we have it. That's. That's an optimistic way to end this podcast. There it is. There we go. If you You're want welcome. something under the tree, put a bow on it. Adrian Newey's How to Build a Car will brighten up your whole off season. How about that? That sounds good to me, Chief. Anything- That's right. I forgot Christmas is right around the corner. Right around the corner. and um, i got to work on my Christmas list. Yeah, what do you have on your list for Ferrari for uh, Formula One? Oh, man. I, I, need, I need to get some Ferrari team gear of some kind. I've got two things in mercedes and if i it feels so wrong like i i love wearing it but it's just it feels so it feels dirty you know it feels like a red sox fan wearing like a yankees jersey oh gross it's, it's just like gross like yeah it's it's my favorite sport but no this is not my team and granted like the shirt that i have is uh a michael schumacher mercedes shirt but it's like uh it doesn't quite you have the to explain it schumacher ferrari shirt yeah yeah it's funny because every day I've gone every other day I go to the store right across the street and I have to reach in that Red Bull case and 
pick out my beverage and Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez are (laughs) staring at me like we know we won't tell anybody but we know we know about this so I've been I've been getting one of those for hockey every so often just just to kind of give myself some boost of energy and like you said it just you open the case and they're there just staring at you in the face like yeah we're the winners again it's like I know (laughs) they make a nice beverage those guys but yeah yes you do yes you do I can't fault you there (laughs) well I think this is where we're going to put a bow on 2023. Hopefully we don't talk too much more about this season going forward as it was a bit of rough sledding for our our favorite teams here. Unless you're a Red Bull fan or a Max Verstappen fan out there, then congratulations. Talk about this season for as long as you want. But um, as far as the F1 Funcast is concerned, we are going to start setting our sights on 2024. How's that sound? That sounds fantastic. We're going to be coming at you guys with a bunch of episodes to start the year. Um, we're probably going to take a break just just for the holiday season, just because you know there's so many things going on right now, and time coordination is going to be at a premium. But um, in the meantime, we are going to record some episodes for you guys so that you know just to fill the time. Just to fill the time. The countdown till uh, race week is on, and we'll help you fill that void. So until then, we are the F1 Funcast. Find us at F1Funcast at gmail.com. He is Connor Gagnon at C-O-N-N-O-R-G-A-G-N-O-N on Instagram. Check us out. Email us. Give us a holler. If you have anything you want us to watch or listen to or read over the offseason, we'd certainly appreciate it. And until next time, I think we are getting on out of here, Chief. What do you say? Sounds good to me. I hope everybody has a happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, and we'll see you in the new year. Take care, everybody. This has been a Funcast production. Our theme song is Sport Rock Trailer by Audio Coffee Music. Check them out at audiocoffee.net. The F1 Funcast is not affiliated with formula one or professional motorsport in any way and this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only contact us at f1funcast at gmail.com